right, everybody, welcome to the 279th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man, Sage, here to talk about a very interesting center prospect in this year's draft because he is slated in a place where the uh, Portland Trailblazers are projected to go. It, it We had to talk about him. He is a very interesting prospect. Um, so... And if you're tuning in, it's Sunday. You're like, hey, where's where's my regular holy backboard? Well, it was a short week for the Blazers. There is no Portland representation at All-Star Weekend. There are a lot of prospects we need to discuss. So we thought, why not throw in a bonus Future Friday on a Sunday for you? Uh, because we are going to have to start getting really picky on who we feature. Because before you know it, uh, it'll be Combines time, March Madness draft will be right around the corner. And so there are a lot of prospects where Portland could potentially uh, have two picks. Uh, They could have as many as four picks. Uh, They have two second rounders and two first rounders at the moment. So there are a lot of players to look at and you really have to, uh, you have to cover Jalen Duran. Like he is right now considered the top center prospect in the NBA draft. He is a center from the university of Memphis, 6'11", 250 pounds with a seven, uh, excuse me, a seven, five wingspan. He was a five-star class of 2021 by rivals. He reclassified so he could be part of the class of 2021. Um, his Memphis bio says he was the, the, basically the prospect, the number one prospect. I don't know how accurate that is considering Chet Holmgren and Paolo Banchero were part of that, but regardless, one of the the blue chip of all blue chip prospects. Um, He was a 2022 preseason um, American conference rookie of the year. He's a 2022 preseason all American conference first team as a freshman. There wasn't a lot uh, in terms of his bio uh, on the Memphis site. So I don't know much about his family. However, through 19 games for the Memphis Tigers, uh, Jalen is averaging 11.4 points, 7.7 boards. He is shooting uh, a, just a blistering 63.6% from the field. He does not shoot threes, 0% from downtown. Uh, he is inaccurate from the line, shooting 58.5%, but he will give you 2.2 blocks, uh, 0.7 steals, uh, does that in 25 minutes per game, and he has a player efficiency rating of 23.9. At the moment, Memphis is 15-8, and eight, which is third in the American Conference. They've had really big wins um, against Alabama, who was number six at the time, and they defeated uh, Houston, who was number six at the time as well. And that was Houston's first home defeat in over two years. So that was a really strong win for that Memphis Tigers team. And this will be a little bit different of a future Friday, as Sage alluded to on our last episode, which featured Walker Kessler and Tari Eason in that the the YouTube channel that we used to go to for full entire games was taken down. So unless we're able to catch a team in the moment, we're having to fall back on scouting uh, videos, which could range between, you know, 10 to 15 minutes or, you know, slimmed down clips. So, you know, there were two games we watched. I think they averaged somewhere between 22 minutes. So you don't really get to see any of the lows. You're really only seeing them when they do well. So you really have to 
to mix what your eyes are seeing, what you're seeing on tape and what you're seeing in these scouting reports, because those kind of go into a deeper dive of, of where the weaknesses are. But Sage, what were your initial thoughts when, when you saw uh, Jalen Duran? So also adding into the, the clips that we watched from Matthew Love's ball, you can't really see defensive plays because most of the clips are offensive baskets. So you have to really like digest very small portions of the game and think, okay, I can make a very bad, you know, educated guess because I don't see much. So luckily for me or unluckily, because Memphis is a very difficult team to watch. I've watched a few Memphis games and have some notes written down about it, but I mean, I think before I talk about the goods, you have to talk about this Memphis team. They don't have a real point guard and they don't do what's best for their blue chip talent. Um, Dustin, what would you say his offensive role will be a lob, a pick and roll guy that finishes at the rim at a very high clip and might pass? His offensive role is prime DeAndre Jordan. You're catching lobs and maybe putbacks. Like so that, guess that how is, much guess how much pick and roll that the, that the Memphis team runs. It's twenty percent. Their best player is a pick and roll dunker, and they only run the the offense twenty percent from pick and rolls. And I know that they don't have a point guard, so it's a lot harder to do pick and roll. But you got to do something to get this athletic freak the ball. So yeah, it's really hard. I think project bigs are the toughest types of prospects to scout and kind of project to the NBA level when all you have is college tape to go off of. I go back to Andre Drummond. Yeah. And again, this was 10 years ago where he still had, had a role in the league. He looked at times unenthused, unmotivated. Well, he wasn't getting the ball. They, they weren't running any set plays for him. He was getting either lobs or offensive rebound and putbacks. And so there was a lot of talk when, when Drummond, Drummond slid on draft night. And I think he went like ninth or 10th. 10th would have been New Orleans. I think he went seventh. Maybe eighth. Yeah, he went yeah. after game. Oh, Harrison Barnes was seventh. So he must have went eighth to eighth. Detroit. And people were kind of all over the board on him because he has all of the physical traits, but there wasn't that production. And it's hard because you do have to kind of go to the right um, collegiate. This, this is where the right team is huge. Like, Absolutely. And I, I think you also need um, – so I think for – a project. And I think Portland's going to see this in their own project with Keon Johnson. You have to have a few factors going for you in terms of, are you going to hit your ceiling? Are you going to just even get that second contract? The first is you have to have buy-in from the organizational level. You have to know that they are willing to put in at least four years, at least. And you have to go with the good and the bad. Like you have to let these players play through some of their mistakes. You have to also know when it's time to sit them on the bench and have them watch from the sidelines. You have to have a really strong vet who is into mentoring. Um, I think one of the reasons Damian Lillard was so productive his rookie year in Portland was he had a lot of buy-in from not only Terry Stotts, but if you remember, Earl Watson mm -hmm. wanted to be a head coach and he was the third string point guard. And Terry allowed Earl Watson to kind of run some practices and kind of get his feet wet before he went into coaching. So Dame had not only Ronnie Price who had been around the block, but he had Earl Watson. So you need a vet who is not going to feel threatened by the, the drafting of, of Jalen Duran who is going to be there and kind of take him under his wing and show him the ropes and let him know 
you know, this is how it's done, not only on the court, but how it's done off the court. We got to get our diet right. We got to get our workouts in. I mean, this is, you know, you see the biggest thing with young players. I mean, you go back to Derek Rose. I think Anthony Edwards had the same thing. They just want to eat their candy. Like that's just what they're used to, that their bodies can, can eat whatever. But as you get a little bit older, you have to be really mindful. You have to be mindful of what you're putting in your body because you have to stay at this peak elite athletic condition. So you have to have, you know, uh, just a huge amount of buy-in in terms of the resources you're putting in, the time, uh, the people, everything has to go right to get a player who is a project. Like I was, I was telling you, I was texting, I was like, he's cookie dough to me. He's raw. You can see what it can be, but it's really raw right now. You, you can't, expect to draft him and start Jalen during day one. Like he, he's not only he's, he's, he's the two years from being two years away type of prospect. And when I think of a prospect at a, at the big level where it worked was Jermaine O'Neal and Jermaine was drafted right out of high school, um, skinny, extremely raw, but you saw, saw the talent and he was able to really blossom underneath some solid bigs and Brian Grant, Rashid Wallace, Arvita Sabonis, he was killing those dudes in practice. It took him four to five years before he reached, you know, most improved player level. And then he went to all-star level and then he went to MVP candidate. So you just have to really understand what you're getting yourself into. If you're trying to win now, this is not the prospect for you. If you're trying to take the best possible player with the best possible ceiling, he's got to be up on your list. Absolutely. I mean, so I remember you saying that Tankathon or ESPN had him at 611, but when he did the uh, FIVA pre-draft measurement, or not pre-draft, but like you know the competition, they did the measurement. He measured out at 69, so I, I kind of think that he is actually 69 because when you look at post-ups, and I think there was one in the Bama game where he posted up and just got he got put in jail because he's so much shorter than a normal center. But the things that make up for the lack of size is that his wingspan is incredible. Like you said, the vertical leap, and then he is just legitimately a unbelievable athlete. Again, like he, he can't show off how good of a, a, like a pick and roll guy is because of the offense. But when you watch him roll to the hoop, set some hard screens, he slipped a few screens in that Houston game where it was just like a slip and just ran to the hoop and blammed it. You see the potential of him just as that pick and roll roller dunking it on everybody. I mean, his offense is limited because of the team that he is on because he's on a team with no playmakers and no real shooters. It's just athletic freaks playing basketball. So it's hard to get to, to see what his process is on the court since it's so not made to benefit him. I've seen like some really good on the roll passes. They were slower than I would like, but he hits guys in traffic and can play make a little bit. So I think that there's potential of him being like a DHO operator. There are things that he does offensively. That is just so exciting. But uh, do you have anything on the offense that you'd like to add? Or can we go into the defense, which I think the tools there is what makes me very excited for him. Yeah, I, I don't when you project Duran, he's not going to be an all-world center just because I don't think he's ever going to be offensively what you want out of out of a MVP all-star type of center. Um he's going to be a lob threat and, and a rim runner and, and a you know, guy around the basket. Um 
shot needs a lot of work. There's a lot oh, of yeah, I, I don't even project him as a shooter whatsoever. Yeah. So that's when I when I mentioned Jermaine O'Neal, like that's I don't I don't think that's his ceiling. I don't think he has the, the touch that, that Jermaine had or even the the form. It, I mean when when I say he he's raw, he's he's incredibly raw. Like that's when you you're wondering like, well, how can a player be so raw and be like the top two or three high school player in the nation? Well, he's just bigger, quicker, stronger, faster than, than everyone else. You know, if you want to look at a floor, it could be Cliff Alexander. Cliff Alexander was the absolute number one player coming out of, of college. Didn't get to play at Kansas. You know, everyone was raving about him when he came to Portland. Chris Kamen saying he should have been a first round pick. He didn't do anything like he was just bigger than everybody else in high school. So he was dominating. That's where you can it gets tricky with with Duran because it's high ceiling super low floor so there's there's i would argue that he has a high floor actually because of his athleticism you know moses brown is is going to get a job nerland's noel is going to get a job he's going to stay in the nba for a while just because teams are going to if he hits his floor teams are going to bet on the the tools and athleticism i would argue that he's not going to be cliff because yeah, he is bigger than everybody, bigger and stronger, but he's also really fast and athletic too. If he bottoms out, you know that teams are going to continue to offer him contracts. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think okay. you're a little bit higher on Duran than I am. Oh, I, I think I, I'm absolutely higher on Duran than you. I think, I think of a Willie Cauley-Stein coming out of Kentucky, and he got t- taken in the lottery. A lot of similar tools, had a lot of the measurements you wanted, but... I don't know what it was, but it never worked out for Collie Stein. And he got he got booted um from, from Mavericks. You know, he did stay around a while. Um, so maybe his floor isn't quite Cliff Alexander, but I don't think it's much, much higher. I think he's he's a prospect that he can get a GM fired for passing on him and he can get a GM fired for, for taking him. Um, but you mentioned the the offensive side. But let's look at the defensive side where I think there's a lot more reason to be excited about the prospect of drafting a, a Jalen Duran type of player. And, you know, we, we just discussed, I think, two really high-level defensive players last time in Walker Kessler of Auburn and Tari Eason of LSU, who I think have a much better feel for the game. One thing that uh, stood out to me with um, Jalen and really cemented the fact that he is a, a long-term uh, prospect he jumps at a lot of things. So his feel for the game's not there yet. He's going to be like 18, late 18, early 19 when he's going to be drafted. So super young uh, draft eligible prospect that probably needs a good summer league, probably needs to play with a good solid veteran point guard, probably needs a veteran that's going to show him um, the ropes. Because right now when I watch him, he's just relying on his athleticism, just pure athleticism. I don't think there's a whole lot else that's working for him right now. Um, but I think it can get there. So that's, that's where I, I don't see the, the shot blocking of a Walker, like Walker Kessler's instinct is, is off the charts. I think Duran has to work on that where I see Duran's uh, NBA potential and how he can stay on the floor is his ability to defend a modern day offense. I think he's got a really good switch ability um, he's going to need to get better at that, but you see it. You see the athleticism. You see his ability to move laterally. I think once he learns the defense and, and you know learns help side on ball, you could really start to see some special things come from from Jalen on the, the, the defensive side of, of the ball. 
everything you said about him at this current moment is is correct. Like he doesn't know how to properly position himself in terms of making the correct weak side block. I would much rather try and teach him that than try to teach a, a ground bound center how to how to jump higher. The tools that he has is incredible. You mentioned his mobility. Like I, I will admit that his hips are really high and slow, but the fact that he has such quick feet, it kind of makes up for the fact that his hips are stiff. I see him just blowing up plays with that athleticism, forcing the the opposing point guard into mistakes. Like the way the way that he moves and the way that he can defend in multiple ways, it, it's just so damn special. And one thing that I'm a huge fan of with bigs is using your hands defensively, especially on help side. I even put it in my notes. Miles Turner took four years to do what uh, Jalen is doing already, using his hands. He doesn't know. He doesn't have the best feel for the game, and I get that. That's important. But the way that his feet and hands and his ability to make up for his mistakes with that athleticism, there's gonna be a team that just falls in love with all of these tools. He's a. He might be the most toolsy player in this game. I, I don't. I don't see his peak defensively being Chet, but. There are a lot of uh, potential things that he can do on the floor that make him extremely valuable. The, 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 the ability to do help side, the ability to switch on almost anybody. I don't think he's BAM level switchability, but he is very, very good in compared to everybody else in this league. The offense is going to be very, very pick and roll dunking heavy to start and probably in his at his peak, but the defense and what he can do to help a team with that defensive, just the, uh, the, the physicals and the, the, uh, the way that he moves is going to help a team so much more. And it's going to keep him in this league because of the defense. He can, he can be the, just the X factor that does everything for a team. And I am a humongous fan of what Jalen can do as a uh, player, especially on the defense. And, you know, he does, has shown some ability to pass. So there might be something that we just can't see because of the Memphis uh, offense. Like, it, it's just like Kentucky. He's pigeonholed into a, to a skill set and can't show everything else he's, he can do. I, I am a big fan of what Jalen can do for a, for a team. And if, they, if that team has a young guard that needs somebody to be a pick-and-roll partner, I, I, I push him up my list quite, quite a lot. I think it's all going to depend on where he gets drafted. Yeah. And I, as I said earlier, the team has to have a plan in place for him. Like you go to the Spurs or Raptors and you get that development and you've got that coaching staff and you got that front office. He'll be just fine. You go to Sacramento, you go to OKC. I actually like him in OKC because of the playmakers. I think OKC has got too many young guys. They're not ready. That's not a winning culture. Um, I, I think that's, a good point guard is going to make a big look so much better. Yeah. And I think Josh Giddy's a fantastic point guard. I just, I don't know what the thunder, I think they've got too many young, young guys. I think they need more, more vets. So what, what I'm saying is I think he just needs to go where he can take his time and not feel rushed to, Oh God, we just drafted this kid. We, we got to win now. Uh, Cause I, I do, I, I think you're going to wait a while before the, the jury is out on, on Jalen. So is Portland the team that can afford to wait a while? I think Portland is 
a horrible fit. And it's only because Sage, who on our team throws a lob pass? I'm, I've never seen, I've seen Dame throw like three in his 10 year career. Anthony sure as hell doesn't throw a lob pass. Like if we actually, if we actually ran that offense, if we had Chris Paul, I think you take a chance on him because that is such that's two points every time down the floor, especially if you have a point guard who was a masterful uh, just architect at running the, that, that pick and roll a uh, Trey young. I mean, unfortunately uh, Atlanta already has two dominant uh, really three. Good bigs, and, three, and three good bigs. Yeah. And, and on Yeka and also John Collins. Um, yeah. And now that you mentioned, I really love Josh Giddy uh, with, with OKC uh, a LaMelo ball in Charlotte. Like, if even Luca, like if, if Dallas was able to get their hands on him, I, I, w- I would watch out. Uh, Portland, I, I just don't love the fit because we don't have that quote unquote pure point guard with, with good vision. I think you need someone that's going to spoon feed Jalen and be like, make make his life easier on the offensive end. He'll make your life easier on the defensive end. You need that that symbiotic relationship where each is helping each other and you know, on one hand, I think it would be fine because he could, you know, back up Nurkic for, you know, a couple more years. Nurkic is still like 26, 27, mm-hmm. and then he'd be ready to kind of take the reins from that. On the other hand, I, I don't know what he would do for you on the offensive end with, with our guards. Our guards just don't know how they, they're allergic to throwing a law pass. And I think that's the easiest way to get him going offensively. I think Dame can make it work. I have zero faith that Anthony can make it work. But if we said we're choosing Dame to build around for this next this next part of our franchise, and we had the dedication from Dame, I would feel much better about drafting Jalen because I I know that those two could make it work. It wouldn't be seamless and beautiful, but they can make it work because of all the tools that he has. But do you think it, those timelines would match up? Though? No, no, I wouldn't. But yeah, so it's it's a tough prospect for Portland. Like, but if he it, was there with the New Orleans pick. At like 11, 12, I, I, he's probably the best player available at that time. Yeah, if Portland gets two lottery picks and they're not able to package them and move up and, and you maybe get a card with the first one, if he's there, like, I, I'm not going to complain if they pick him. I, I'm not certain if I like Walker Kessler more or not. Like, I, I go back and forth. I think Kessler is the safer pick, and I really love his defensive instincts. Um, shot blockers like that don't come around very often, but I do, I do see the the potential and, and the reward in, in taking a player like Duran. And it's always easier to take a risk when you have multiple picks. Um, you can also go a little bit safer. Portland does have two second round picks and we will be doing a, a second round steals um, episode coming up shortly where we just, you know, briefly discuss uh, a list of our, our uh, players that were, we would target in the second round. And the NBA has shown, you can get really good talent in the second round, especially in more recent drafts. So if you have three or four picks, it's not really the worst idea to take a, a chance on a player with a high ceiling, especially a mobile defensive big that, you know, the pick and roll is the most prevalent and difficult offensive set to stop in, in the NBA, especially with so many elite point guards that if you have a big that can kind of anchor that and, on both sides of the floor, really, you know, run it to perfection and then stop it with, you know, precision. That's going to give you, that's worth five to seven points, maybe more every single night. They're either on the floor. I had this in my notes. Jalen is what people thought James Wiseman was as an athlete. 
I think Wiseman has a better chance of being that Cliff Alexander where he's just bigger and stronger than everybody, but he didn't have the athleticism to like compete. I think Jalen is a better prospect than Wiseman and has the athleticism that will keep him in the league. Whereas Wiseman's just huge. So what do you see? What do you need to see from Jalen, whether it's the rest of the season at the combine what do you need to see? I need from to him? see what his real height is. So yeah, every, every site lists Memphis's bio, Tankathon, ESP, everyone lists him at 6'11". Maybe that's in shoes. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, he got his wingspan measured, I think last summer. So he still could be growing, which is a, a crazy thing to think about. I mean, look at the Milwaukee Bucks when they took Giannis. He continued to grow. And that's if, if Giannis was at not his not at his weight, but if he was at his current height when he was draftable, he probably goes up three or four more spots. So there there is definitely some some vision that you have to have when you're drafting players. And if they're super young, you have to be able to see okay, what are they going to look like five years from now? And and to think about and to think about that, when Portland drafted Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. in 2018, that's not even five years from now. But both of those players probably go top 10, top 15 in a redraft. So you have to think of a player like Clay and how can they be molded? And obviously they have to have their own motor and, and the, the will to, to improve. But with the right system and the right vets and the right you know scheme and personnel, they can really kind of punch above their draft weight. And what I mean by that is like Anthony and Gary were taken late in the first round, early second round. That doesn't happen if there's a redraft. And same thing, you when you when you make a pick, you want other teams to be like, damn, four years ago, why didn't we take that guy? Like Milwaukee, why why did nobody take Giannis? Why did nobody take Rudy Gobert that late? Sometimes you got to take take a swing and miss. Sometimes you got to take a swing and hit it out of the park, especially if you're a small market franchise and mobile bigs. There's a lot not to like, but there is a lot to love because what they do is so rare, especially in today's pace and space where you need you need defense. I mean, Portland's always going to have offense, offense for days. You got Dame for however many years, then Anthony, like you're going to have offense. Josh Hart is a young player. You're going to have offense. What has been Portland's bugaboo since 2000? Defense. They've never been able to stop the other team and they haven't really adapted personnel wise to the, the modern NBA. This is a chance for them to do it. So there's, I'm, I'm really torn, honestly, on Duran just because of what he doesn't do, but what he does do and, and really what the finished product looks like. It's, it's almost like you're playing Wordle and you've put in three answers and you don't have any yellows or any greens. And you're just like, shit, I don't know. I could get this. I could solve it. I could take a stab in the dark or I could just, you know, flunk out. So it's, it, it's really like a gambler. And if anyone says otherwise, I think they're kind of lying because when a pro- when there's a prospect like Jalen Duran, sometimes it's a coin flip, and sometimes it's it. If you're a small market team, I think it's worth it to, to you know to risk that that coin flip. I, I think the second the fact that we have a, a potential second uh, second first round pick is, is another reason why it helps. Uh, it yeah. helps a lot. I would feel much more scared if I only had, especially yeah, if, if you're Portland and you haven't had a first round pick and since 2019, and this is like your one that's really terrifying to take it on Jalen. But if you have two, you know, you only have so many rotation spots. Yeah. You can take a project. I mean, cause if you get that first one and it's a player ready to go, fantastic. Then you yeah, can just, bring... I think you'd feel so much better if we had Johnny Dave, like, let's just say we scored Johnny Davis 
And then you take a ch- chance on Jalen Duran. I think I, I can't expect him to do much in college because the team just doesn't do anything to help him really. So you got you got to just expect him to stay even in college. And then during the combine and all of the pre-draft workouts, I think he's going to be the guy that skyrockets past everybody else because of the tools and what he uh, shows. I think he is one of the best effort players in the in the NCAA. It's just that sometimes he makes some mistakes and but his athleticism covers up for it. So I'm 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 almost there on him with our second first round pick if that if it I think there are some things that I could see from him in college, especially on the defensive end. Like don't jump as much. Like can, can he start to show a little bit more improvement just with his discipline on defense. I think that's something that can be, you know, he doesn't need teammates for that. That's all on him. Like, can he hold his ground on, on these pump fakes? Can he stay solid, continue to stay vertical? Um, I can definitely watch out for that. But also at the combine, how, how tall actually is he? Mm-hmm. What, what is that wingspan? How, has it, has it grown? Um, how are his shuttle numbers? You know, because he, he looks quick. Do those numbers add up? So there are little things, but it, it's really just going to be, are you ready to roll that dice? You know, are you putting all your money on black? Are you putting all your money on red? Like, like what, what are you doing? Um, you might, I'd be you the might. one banging on the table for Jalen. I think you would be telling Cronin uh, to chill. I, I'm, I'm indifferent on Jalen. I, I don't love him. I don't, I don't hate him. If we had only one pick, it would be an absolute no for me. Um, but we have two, potentially two. So Depending on what you do, like if you if you say you have eight and ten and you can't package those and get yourself one of those top five players in the draft, you get whoever lands to you at eight. If you want to roll the dice at, with with him at ten, that's fine. Um, I, I, you're not going to have me here, you know, moaning and groaning like like we were on the 2017 draft night when when we kind of you know crapped the bed, but. Um, I, I'm really interested to monitor those bigs, you know, Tari Eason, uh, Jalen Duran, and Walker Kessler, how they continue, because they all do something a little bit different and, you know, different sizes. Um, they can play different schemes. So I want to see how they continue to progress. Um, there was a big from Florida who um, one of the announcers mentioned kind of gave Walker Kessler the work uh, today. So, and he was seven, two. So obviously Kessler is not a finished product either. There's a lot room, a lot more room for him to grow. Easton gives you that defense at the four, which can be really important, especially since there's not a whole lot of uh, dominant true centers left. But um, Sage, instead of just giving me a you know a middle, bottom, and high, kind of just give me a couple of players that that jump out to you when you're describing Jalen Duran and whether it can go, you know, the the, the boom or the bust. Uh... Robert Williams from Boston. They're both, was, I think, the, the, the same size. Yeah, the Robert Williams, his, his ability to erase a lot of things that the bad... The Lord. Yeah, the bad Celtics perimeter defense gives up. You know, he can erase some of that stuff. Um, I, I feel like Clint Capella is a really good comparison, especially on the offensive end. Both of them have that elite rolling to the basket uh, ability and they both play really good defense. So click Capella is a good one. I think Jakob Pertle from the Spurs would be a really good comp for him. 
And then if we want to just go with pie in the sky, and I don't think this is there's a chance, but he could be a a bam out of bio, just stronger. But before that, we wrap it, he would have to take a huge uptick to become bam. But bam didn't show that in uh Kentucky. Uh, I I would say I I don't know if, if that's my pie in the sky for him is young DeAndre who can defend on the perimeter. Um, I think that the bust is Willie Cauley Stein. I, I think you're going to get a limited offensive big who could either be a game changer defensively or out of the league after his first contract. So if you were the coach and your main goal was to optimize him defensively, would you have him do like all the stuff that? Blazers are having use of doing the pick and roll, like the hard hedge and try and make a stop that way with high risk stuff. Or would you put them in drop and force the, the, the opposing guard to try and shoot over him or attack him offensively? How would you deploy Jalen in the defensive end as your center? Well, it depends on your personnel, right? Like who are you going up against? I, I don't think you should have a, a one you know, one size fits all uh, defensive scheme. Like if you're going up against like a, a Steph or a Trey who can, you know, just cook from downtown and that's where they want to live. I think you need to pressure them and get the ball out of their hands, make them make another pass. Um, if you're going up against, you know, another type of point guard that maybe a John Morant, maybe you want to make him see if he can hit that jump shot. You can play off a little bit and see if he can close out. Um, drop coverage is so, uh, risky in today's NBA with so many good shooters. Um, and it, it just, it all depends on how elite he is at, at, at hedging. Can, can he really make it work? And can he get, can he get there? Can he show and then get back to his man? Um, if he's able to defend like bam, that's how I would want him to defend. Like that's, mm. that, that's the pie in the sky defensive player that I would aspire for him to be. If, if you can defend like bam, where you're just disrupting the shit out of the ball handler, but you're still able to get back and cover your own ass. That's the best of both worlds, right? Mm. Yeah. What do I, you do? I want to I want him to have the, the successes first, and then we can add on to his uh his game as he shows that he can prove you know what he can do. But I, I honestly think that he can do a lot of a lot of special stuff defensively. I so, just want to um, see the hustle. I mean, I think look, he hustles look. a lot. Yeah, look at look at Nasir when when he was in there and having his success, just kind of out there like organized chaos and just trying to disrupt. I think a lot of good things coming from just effort and hustle, and I think it's contagious. I think Portland needs more players uh, of that of that nature and, and mentality. So if that first and foremost, just just play, play hard, and I think it, it will will rub off on the entire team. So is he a tier four, tier three? Where is he in your tiers list? He's not top five. Mm-hmm. Maybe low tier three, high tier four. Okay. We're not that far away. Because I would have him in my tier three. Like, he he's not getting into the top six. But I could absolutely see him at seven. Like, I don't think he's better than AJ, but I, I could see him being better than who's at seven right now on Tankathon. AJ? Fuck. I don't think he's better than AJ, <laughs> but I could see him the spot after him for sure. Uh, I'm looking. Oh, I think he's much better than like Keegan Murray or Benedict or Brown. So I, I would have him at. I haven't seen Sharp, so I can't really decide, but 
I would have him after Johnny Davis and AJ Griffin on my per- personal board. Keegan had a really good game today. Really? Nice. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, he's also the uh, recipient of not playing on a very talented Iowa team. No, so no, no. That's, it, it's, it's tough in college, man. Like you, we saw Ben Simmons not even get LSU to the you know tournament, and that was a knock against him. We saw Anthony Edwards not get uh, Georgia to the tournament, and that was a perceived knock on him. I've kind of removed that from my thought process on prospects because it, it really does take an entire team. Like if you don't have any talent around you, it's hard to look good regardless mm-hmm. of the level. Uh, mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind when you watch him, like really just see how he moves. Um, it, it, I don't think he's going to blow your socks away offensively, but you have to project like, how is this player going to look like this player is 18 years old, already got an NBA body, uh, get, get him with the right coaching, put him in a film room, a good big man coach. I think wherever he goes, he must have a good big man coach that mm-hmm. is just going to, teach him the ins and outs of the modern game. And yeah. Roy Rod- if he goes to the Blazers, Roy Rogers is spending all of his time with him, especially yeah. on like the footwork and where to beat places, place his athletic body. Yeah. That's, I would say low tier three, high tier four. Like there's some players I want to get to get to know more. Uh, Benedict Matherin in Arizona hosts Oregon tonight on ESPN. So I'll definitely be watching that. Uh, I watched a little bit of Keegan Murray against Michigan. Um, had a chance to tie the game with a, a pick and pop three, went in and out, um, but bounced back with a great road victory over Ohio State. I mean, he's really been picking up his play as of late. So that's another player that I'm going to continue to really watch on. And then on our Twitter for Holy Backboard, put out a poll. Like, what do you want to see the next Friday? A future Friday player B and I put uh, there's shade and sharp. Who's not going to play this year for Kentucky, but uh, was the number one overall player in the class of 2022. He also reclassified Keegan Murray power forward from Iowa. Love how you say reclassified by the way. Thank you. Um, uh, Patrick Baldwin, Jr. Lottery pick uh, from Milwaukee and AJ Griffin. We talk about him a lot. We, we did Paolo Banchero early um, probably Duke's second best prospect. Duke is always on ESPN, so it's not a game that we really have to uh, find an old clip of. We can just say, "Hey, Duke's playing UNC coming up. Let's let's watch that game." So uh, we'll take that feedback into consideration. And can you, you know, we'll see who back. voted for who? Or uh... no, you can't. Thank God. Guess who I voted for? AJ. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I just voted for AJ Griffin. I, I mean. If if there's dealer's choice, I'm just gonna say AJ Griffin won. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Do you have anything else, or do you want to wrap this bad boy up? That's good. All right, uh, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Also, major shout outs to uh, Brandon. He followed me on Twitch. Shout out to you. We had a really nice discussion about the uh, Portland Trailblazers on my Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash the sage. He wanted a shout out and you got it. Thank you for the, uh, for the sub. Peace.